Lord, give us the ability to shut off what the unknown of this coming week holds. And in this moment right here and right now, Lord, I pray that the sound of heaven could speak into our hearts. Lord, that we could have an encounter with you, a moment that changes everything. It's in your name we pray all these things. And everybody said, amen, amen. Give your neighbor a high five. You can be seated. Come on, look to the person on your left and say, you sang like an angel. And you just look to that person you just ignored on the other side and just say to them, bless your heart. You can even give them a you do you, boo-boo. There it is. Come on now. Come on now. I am, I am excited to go ahead and, and preach the word this morning. I was thrown off right there in our church. We, we have the offering before we preach the word. And so I was sitting there thinking that they were getting ready to ask Pastor Lucas to come up. And then I'm like, they're saying my name, but Pastor Lucas is supposed to get up right now. And, and then I was trying to get everything and almost kicked over a coffee. And we almost had a, a yard sale of Bibles and preaching notes and coffee cups just thrown out all over the place up here. But we narrowly avoided the catastrophe right there. So does uh, anyone in here love your senior pastors in this house? Come on now. Pastors Anthony, Pastor Miriam, and I want to encourage you that uh, an environment like this does not just happen, but I believe it happens when God calls a couple to stand up and to trust him at his word and to lead other people on a journey, and so I just want to honor your leaders. I know last night I got right into the word, but this morning I just want to take a moment and just honor the leadership of this house, and come on one more time, really let them know how much you love them. And uh, you guys are awesome, and it has, been, it has been awesome just to be with you guys uh, over these past couple days. I know I head back home this afternoon, but it has just been great to see what God is doing in this part of our nation, and uh, the church is truly alive, not just in name, but also in deed in this part of the nation. Amen? Amen. Awesome, awesome. Well, if you have your Bibles, go ahead, begin to make your way to Exodus chapter 6. And I want to encourage you as I'm preaching this morning, please go ahead. Do not hesitate to encourage me as I preach the word this morning. Because here's the thing. You can take a great preacher and you can make them average by not adding your faith to the room. But conversely, you can take an average preacher, me, and you can make them great with your encouragement of the preaching of the word. And so I want to encourage you. There is no one who's passive in the preaching of the word of God today. That as you hear something, I want to encourage you. Maybe it resonates with you on the inside. Let it resonate on the outside. It could just cause that person next to you to key in that extra little bit more. Someone who's maybe they're fading off into what this week holds. You could bring them right back into the presence of God with your, with your agreement with the word. It can make a person think, what did I miss? Right? And so often when God did a work, what does he tell people to do in scripture? He tells them to speak out. And so as you agree with the word, you could, you could actually seal I believe what God wants to do in your life here today. And make no mistake, God does not call his people into church so that they can just warm up a seat with their backside. But he calls them into the house of God so that they could have an encounter and their lives could be changed. Amen? I got to ask a question this morning. Does, ha, have you ever been stuck before? Come on, lift your hand if you've ever been stuck. All right, there's a lot of hands in here. And the overflow, I know none of y'all have ever been stuck because you are God's chosen people over there in the overflow this morning. But I don't know about you, but there have been seasons, there have been moments in life where I have been stuck. 
I was, uh, as I was writing this message, I was reminded of one moment in my life where I just remember feeling stuck and completely powerless. And it, it's, it, it actually comes from a season of life where I have a lot of fond memories. It was right around the time where I met my wife and I asked her to go on our first date together. Now, um, I wanted to leave an impression on her. I wanted her to have a great experience. So I went ahead and looked around at some of the different restaurants that we had in our side of town that we could go to. And I heard the voice of the Lord loud and clear when I made the decision that I was going to take her to a Cuban restaurant right there in the middle of our town. This place is called Havana's. It's amazing. In heaven, they will serve coffee. It will not be Starbucks. It will be Cafe Bustelo in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. And, uh, and, and so we go to the, the one restaurant in town where we could land some Cafe Bustelo at the end of our meal, and we're hanging out together. It's a great time. I came to her house, and I picked her up. Here's the thing. I was right back from college in Israel. I was in our ministry school at our church. I had no money to my name. And, and asking Lauren to, to go on a date with me, it really was, as they would say in our church, punching up. I was, I was asking a woman out on a date that I had no business being with because she's in a completely different league than I am. I'm in the minors. She's in the majors, like already in the Hall of Fame. And, uh, and I'm asking her on this date. And this is my situation. I don't have a nice jacket to wear to this restaurant. So I had to borrow a friend's jacket. I did not have a car. So I had to borrow my friend's car. And uh, I, I had a few bucks, thank God, all right? I did not have to borrow money from my parents at the age of 23. But, but I remember going to my wife, or now my wife's house, my, my, you know, my friend's house at the time. We weren't even officially dating yet. And I pick Lauren up, and she looks at me, and she's like, ah, oh, that's a great jacket. And I'm like, thanks. It's, you know, one of my, one of my best And then we get in the car, and my wife, she's like Miss Independent in this season. She's straight out of college, no college debt. She drives a BMW 330i. It was fully paid off already. You know, she was walking around with Louis Vuitton purses, and uh, she didn't pay him with credit. She paid him cash. Like, I was like, this woman is in a completely different stratosphere than me. And so I get in the car with her, and she's like, nice car. And I'm thinking in my head, it's not even mine, you know? And, and we get to the restaurant, and we go ahead, and we order our meals, and we eat. It's a great time. The night ends. I take her back to her house. And as she's getting out of the car, I said, well, would you like to go out together next week? And she's like, yeah, I would love it. So I play it cool, and she gets out and goes back into her house. I go home that night, um, and, and I'm sitting on my couch in my house, and all of a sudden, The thought hit me. I'm going on a date next week, and I spent all the money I have to my name on our first date. I'm going on a date next week, and I don't have a jacket to wear because I got to give this jacket back. I'm going on a date next week, and I don't have a car to drive because I got to give the car back. When I asked her for her phone number, check this out. I got her phone number. She asked me for mine. I didn't even have a cell phone. I had a pager. It was 2004. I am not a doctor, and I am not a drug dealer. I have no legitimate reason to have a pager. And I ask her to go on a second date with me. She says yes, and I feel absolutely stuck. I'm like, if I go on a date as a 23-year-old man, I'm going to have to ask my mom if I can borrow some money. What kind of loser am I? I felt stuck. 
And uh, I want to ask a question. Not only have you ever been stuck before, but I wonder if you are honest. You don't have to answer this question out loud, but I wonder where do you feel stuck in life today? I wonder where in life today do you feel like you're in a holding pattern? You feel like you're just going around that same mountain. The thing I love about our God is he's not just the God of the up and coming. He's also the God of the stuck. And I love the theme of the conference you guys have been hosting this week about breakthrough because, you know, last night I talked about what God can do when you're in the midst of your prison season. But this morning, I want to I talk about leaving limitation. I want to talk about breaking out. Because I do not think God finds glory in his people being stuck. In Exodus chapter 6, God is speaking to his people Israel. He says this. He says, furthermore, I have heard the groaning of the sons of Israel. Can I encourage you today that if you're in a tough season, God hears your cry. God knows the groans of your heart. God knows your desire for your family, for your marriage, for your health, for your business, for your dreams. God hears your cry. He heard the groans of Israel, and it says, because the Egyptians are holding them in bondage. And I have remembered my covenant. Say, therefore, to the sons of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from their bondage. I will also redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. Someone say, great judgments. And then I will take you for my people and I will be your God. And you will know that I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will bring you to the land which I swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac and Jacob. And I will give it to you for a possession. I am the Lord. You see, the title of my message this morning is Unstuck. Unstuck. I asked you if you've ever been stuck before, and the beautiful thing is that when you approach the God of the Bible, you approach the God of the unstuck. He can make a way where there is no way. Has anyone in here ever watched Chip and Joanne Gaines? You know what I'm talking about? My, my, I got a six-year-old son back home, and uh, he loves watching Chip and Joanne. I don't know why. I think it's probably from my wife and, and him being home over the summer and seeing what she watches on TV. And a couple days ago, I went out in my backyard, and there were five or six rungs of our deck that were just completely knocked out of our deck. And I looked at my son, and he says, Dad, I got to show you something. So he brings me out to the deck, and I look, and there's all these rungs of the deck missing. And and I'm looking at it, and I find myself kind of getting mad, you know, like, what on earth has happened here? And I look at my son. He's got a, a big smile on his face. And he said, Dad, guess what? And I looked at him, and I was like, what? And he goes, it's demo day. (laughs) And I couldn't be mad after he said that. He gave me the hammer, and he said, Dad, I can't get this one out. Would you help me? And here I am, a dad breaking my own deck for no other reason than it's demo day. And there's some people here today, and you feel stuck. I got good news. It's demo day in the house of God. God's saying, I'm going to make a way where there is no way. Oh, there's no door there? That's cute. I'm going to give you one of my promises and make a door where there wasn't a door. Oh, there's a wall in your way? That's cute. I'm going to cause you to rise above that wall and break through it in the name of Jesus. It's demo day in the house of God this morning. Amen? Leaving limitation, what I want to talk about. I don't know if you know this, but 
there's something that in, in, in Hebrew-speaking cultures, they recognize as soon as they read the scriptures. Is there anyone in here who speaks Hebrew? Anyone in here? I know I do. Is there anyone else? Anyone else? Okay. Maybe there's someone. All, all the linguists are in the, in the overflow this morning. That's, that's what it is. They're actually having to translate this meeting into Hebrew so they can understand what I'm saying because they're extra anointed out there today. But if you were to read this passage in Hebrew, there's something very interesting about it that would jump out at you. You see, the word for Egypt in Hebrew is Mitzrayim. Someone look at your neighbor and say Mitzrayim. There you go. So you're all Hebrew scholars now. It's amazing. Now, that word is a proper noun. It means Egypt. But the funny thing about that word in Hebrew is it also is a common noun that means limitation. So when God speaks about Egypt in the Bible, a Hebrew speaker cannot hear a conversation about Egypt without it also being a conversation about limitation. And so when Hebrew uh, rabbis, when, the, when a rabbi reads this passage to his temple, to his congregation, they will teach you in rabbinical commentaries that another way that is accurate, that is sound biblically, theologically to read this passage would be like this. Furthermore, God speaking to his children, you and I today. Furthermore, I have heard the groanings of my children because limitation is holding them in bondage. And I have remembered my promises. Say, therefore, to my children, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burden of limitation. And I will deliver you from your bondage. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and great judgments. And then I will take you from my people, and I will be your God. Not your job, not your health. Not your good looks, not your popularity. God says, I will be your God. And you will know that I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out from under the burdens of limitation. I will bring you to the land which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and I will give it to you for a possession. I am the Lord. See, I have my friend up here with a, with a chain to help us with a bit of an example this morning. Come on, give a hand this morning for... Uh, all right, so I'm going to ask you to go ahead and hold this like we talked about earlier. You see, there's a lot of people here, and, and I want to show you a, a visual of what I think our thinking oftentimes is like. When we give a limitation, it does something to us. I believe it ties our hands, and it keeps us in a bound state. So let's bring our hands a little bit closer there. Maybe, maybe some people here this morning, the limitation you've believed is, you know, I'm a single mom, and so because there's no man in my house, I'll never be able to blank. Some people here today, you're saying, I'm, I, I've got a medical report from doctors, and I believe that, that God can heal Pastor Anthony. God can heal Pastor Miriam, but, but I've been told by doctors that I'll never be able to have children, and so you've just written off the idea of ever, ever walking in that dream you've had in your heart to be a father or to be a mother. It's a, it's a chain that's limiting you here today. Maybe you'd say, yeah, I'd love to get up there and sing like Pastor Magno, the voice of angels in this house but you don't know where I've been you don't know what I've done and before you know it that way of thinking it just leaves you limited with with this sense of being bound and and you're here in church and you got a smile on your face but you've got chains on your heart this morning and what I want you to realize today is that God came and spoke words of deliverance to people 
just like you. People just like me. And I want to read a verse this morning. This is the verse that launched this message in my heart today. And it says this in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. It says, now, to him who is able, he's able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that I could ever ask, think, or imagine according to his word that is at, or his spirit that is at work within us. Now to him be the glory. It doesn't say now to my limitation be the praise. Now to my past be the power. It says according to his spirit that is able to do exceedingly, to do abundantly above all that I could ever ask, think, or imagine. God is saying that when I come into your life, I'm able to do greater than you could ever think. I'm able to do greater than you could ever imagine. I just want to know today. Thank you, man. I just want to know today, where have you limited the possibilities of God in your life today? I wonder where have you done it? I wonder where have you boxed God in? Because I found that God loves to show off. He loves to tell you, I'm not the God of what's inside the box. I'm the God of what's inside the box and outside the box. And I believe that God wants to bring you to a place of breakthrough today. And whatever you face, hear me loud and clear when I say this, Jesus is greater. He legitimately is greater. That's not just blab it and grab it, fake it until you make it Christianese. It is the truth of all truths. That no matter where you've been or what you've done or what you face today, Jesus is greater. And a lot of times we sit in church and we think that that first time visitor a few rows down that's kind of cute and you're wondering are they single or are they seeing anyone else right now because you just feel called by God to take them out for a meal after the service this morning, you know. Uh, uh, a lot of times we hear something like that and we think that's for them. But the reality is some of the most bound people in this place are the people who have been in church the longest. And we've made friends and treaties with our limitations that God never called us to make. We've signed, we, we, we've signed over our freedom in Christ. And we've allowed lies, paper tigers, to, to cause us to sit down here today. And I've been a leader in, in our church at Way for about 14 years now. I started going to the church when I was 16 years old. And over the course of 14 years, I've been in varying levels of leadership, whether it's a volunteer leader in our youth ministry, an intern in our college, or for about 10 years now, I've been on our church staff at Wave down in Virginia Beach. And by the way, Pastor Steve and Sharon send their regards to everyone here. But uh, about 10 years of sitting in offices talking with people, and I have found that ironically, one of the last limitations preventing people from getting unstuck is bad theology about who God is. It's bad theology about what God is like. And so with the time we have left together this morning, I just want to share with you a few things that I believe the unstuck Christian knows. That if you're going to live an unstuck life, these are things that you have to have settled in your heart. Whether you're seated in here or whether you're seated in the overflow, you do not get unstuck out of your own strength. You don't get unstuck out of your own cunning or your own wisdom. If you're going to live an unstuck life, it is the result of the God that we serve. It is a work of God. It is not a work that we can do on our own so that none can boast. And so I want to share with you three things you got to understand about God if you're going to live an unstuck life today. Does that sound good? Yeah. Someone look at your neighbor and say, he's preaching better than you're listening. 
Come on now. Come on. Look at your other neighbor and just, just go ahead. Say, say something nice, whatever you want. It could be you like their hair. You could be like, oh, did you get your nails did? I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. Maybe you like their shoes. Maybe you just got to ask them to take a breath mint. You do that too if that's what you got to do. Be like, I'm stuck by your breath right now, brother. You know, it, it is what it is. Don't just love to speak the truth. Speak the truth and love people, okay? First thing you got to know this morning, God is not fragile. I'm going to let that sit for a second. God is not fragile. But we do live in a fragile world. I live in a world where I cannot guarantee my next breath, which is the very thing that the continuation of my life depends on. I take it for granted that this muscle about the size of my fist inside of my chest is going to continue doing what it's supposed to do, whether I think about it or not. And all the pressures and responsibilities that are on my life, they do not make me immune to the reality that I only go on as long as my heart continues to beat. I've got two young men to raise. Doesn't matter. I'm at the mercy of my heart beating. I have a wife who's counting on me. Doesn't matter. I'm at the mercy of my heart beating. I oversee a campus for Wave Church that is making a difference in the south side of the city I live in. Doesn't matter. I'm at the mercy of my next heartbeat. I oversee what's called Wave Collective for our senior pastors. It's a network of churches around the nation and the world, of which you are one of them. And right now, I'm actually overseeing a lot of things that our network or our collective of churches are doing in areas impacted by by Hurricane Harvey down in, in Texas. We have airplanes that Wave Collective is sending in right now and, and pilots that are a part of Wave Church that are flying in there and they're bringing supplies that couldn't get to people any other way. I'm responsible for overseeing those things. Right now, as we speak, I got emails coming into my phone, texts about what's going on and making sure that things are going where they're supposed to go. And yet all of that is at the mercy of if my heart beats in this next moment. We live in a world where, where people purposefully fly planes into tall buildings. It's a place where people run red lights without thinking about the consequences. A place where a single storm beating upon the shores of Miami as we speak is changing everything for people. Their lives will never be the same as a result of what does or does not happen today. We live in a fragile world. But do not let the fragility of this life change the way that you see God. Because hear me loud and clear right now. Life is fragile, but God is not. Life is fragile, but God is not. And if you're going to leave limitation, you need to recalibrate. You need to rewire. You need to readjust how you see God. I believe that King David did what he did, not because he was uber talented. I believe he did what he did because no matter how bad it got or how good it got, it never was allowed to shade his view of God. That even when he was on the mountaintop, he never lost track of the fact, I need God. And even when he was in the valley, he never lost track of the thought, God is still able. Listen to what he says in 1 Corinthians 29, verses 10 and following. 
And David said, Blessed are you, O Lord, God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. Indeed, everything. Someone say everything. As if you realize that God is not fragile. He's not going to get scared by you being too loud this morning. Somebody say everything. He says, everything that is in the heavens and the earth, yours is the dominion, O Lord. And you exalt yourself as head over all. Both riches and honor come from you. And you rule over all things. And in your hand is power. In your hand is might. And it lies in your hand to make great and strengthen everyone. Now, therefore, our God, we thank you and we praise your glorious name. I wonder, is that the God you think of when you think about God? When we approach God in prayer, is that the God that you approach? Or have we allowed ourselves to get into that trap where we feel like we need to introduce our God to our problems instead of introducing our problems to our God? When you pray, are you praying faith out loud or are we praying fear out loud? Anyone hearing me? Are your prayers prayers of faith or are they more like a country song? telling people nobody knows the troubles I've seen you know it's like where is our faith today who have you allowed to have the seed of ultimate power and authority in your heart is it God or is it that medical report is it that statistic is it that that piece of your family history that no one in your family allows you to forget if you're going to get unstuck this morning you need to be reminded God is not fragile Second thing we need to know this morning is that Jesus is willing. Jesus is willing. God is not fragile, and Jesus is willing. Are you guys hearing me today? You know, they they say that 90% of the world faces the issue of access to safe drinking water. 90% of the world. We we wake up, and our challenge is, is access to fashionable shoes. But for 90% of the world, they are still facing the reality, will I find healthy water that will not make my family sick? Will I find healthy water that will not kill my crops? Can I get access to a safe water source? To this day, water-related illnesses are still the number one cause of death for humans on this planet. Anyone in here with children five years of age or younger, would you lift your hand real quick? All right, look at all these hands going up. People with children five years or younger. Did you know that today in this world where we have figured out how to put people on the moon decades ago, that one in five children under the age of five will still die due to lack of access to clean water every year. That's 20% of children under the age of five. So to put that in perspective, imagine if over the course of this year, 20% of the five-year-olds in this place died. We would feel like the angel of death came out of Exodus and entered into this church. And yet, not only did it happen this year, but what if it happened again next year? And what if it happened again the year after that? And what if it happened again the year after that? And after that? And after that? And after that? Here's the thing. All these issues we have with water, it's completely preventable. Chlorine 
is one of the easiest things for modern science to produce this day and age. Just a little bit of chlorine, doesn't matter how dirty the water is or what viruses are in it, a little bit of chlorine can kill whatever bacteria or virus is in there. One dollar, one dollar can produce 63,400 clean gallons of water that you can consume and be healthy and not face risk of, of illness, disease, virus, bacteria. That is enough water to serve the needs of approximately 1,056 people for a month. One dollar can give 1,056 people access to safe drinking water for a month. We have the means to deal with the issue of safe drinking water in this planet, and yet we haven't. Why is it? It's not a question of if we're able, but we just aren't willing. People aren't willing to deal with an issue for people they don't know. We'd rather spend a dollar on Andy Capp's cheese fries in the gas station. We'd rather spend our dollar on a slice of pizza at a sporting event rather than help make a difference in a family's life over Christmas. You see, we live in a world where humanity brings it back to the question, what is in it for me? And the issue is people just aren't willing to help people that they don't know, people that they don't see, people that they think they have nothing in common with. And what I love about Jesus is that is not who he is. That is not what he's like. In Mark chapter 1, a leper came to Jesus, and leprosy was the disease of all diseases in the day of Jesus. If you had... If you had leprosy, you could not enter into your town. To enter into a town was grounds for immediate stoning, immediate death, because you were about to create a major uh, health risk for that community. So you could be killed on the spot without question. And if people realized it was to prevent leprosy from entering your town, that person would have been forgiven for taking your life. And we have one of those sorts of people coming up to Jesus and listen to what they say. They say, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus looks at them, and the Bible says, moved with compassion. Moved with compassion. Jesus could have just spoken to this leper, but look at what Jesus did. Jesus stretched out his arm and touched him. Jesus stretched out his arm and touched the disease. Touched the, the, he did the very thing you should not do. Jesus said, I'm not just willing to Touch what's getting you held back in life. Or I'm not just willing to to talk to it. I'm willing to touch it. I'm willing to get in contact with it. And then he says, I am willing to be cleansed. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Jesus is here today. Jesus is willing to get you unstuck from whatever has had you stuck. Now, we live in a world that's conditioned to ask a question before we do anything, what's in it for me? And if we're not careful, we see people all around us in life who operate through that, that worldview. Everyone around us, we see it. I want to help, but if I'm going to help, what's in it for me? How does it help me? I, I, I want to give, but do I get a tax return? I mean, I'd love to tithe and build God's house, but, or God's house, but does, it, does it help me at the end of the year when the IRS comes looking for what belongs to it? Right. Right. We love to help. We love to be generous, but we want to know what's the kickback for me. 
And if we're not careful, we could begin to see Jesus that way. And when you look at Jesus as if he is a God who looks at you through the lens of what's in it for him, then it will cause you to perform for his affections. It will cause you to think that I can't go to God unless I think that I'm good enough, strong enough, kind enough, just enough, pure enough, smart enough, whatever enough, rich enough. Whatever you think your your indicator is, it will cause us to think that the only way God will operate on my behalf is if I have something that he needs. And what we need to realize at the end of the day is Jesus's willingness is a reflection of who he is, not what you've done. Jesus's willingness this morning is independent of how clean you may think you are. It's independent of how good you think you may be. It's independent of where you've been. It's independent of what you've done. It's independent of where you're seated. It's independent of what side of town you live on or you grew up on or what you did or didn't do when what you knew was right or wrong was on your mind. What Jesus does, his willingness is independent of all of that. That's why the Bible says in Romans 5, 8, it says, while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Paul says in Galatians chapter 3, it started as a gift. Why do you think you could start trying to earn it now? If you're going to get unstuck today, I want to challenge you. Stop thinking that you have to earn it. Stop thinking that you can do something to deserve it and realize that it's only through a gift that we can live unstuck. And that the reason I can live unstuck today, first, it's because God is not fragile. So maybe it's held you back for a long time. It does not mean that God is weakened and unable to fight it. Second thing you need to understand if you're going to be unstuck today is that Jesus wants you to live unstuck more than you want you to live unstuck. He is willing. And then the third and final thing, and the band can come on up right now, is you got to understand that the Holy Spirit is able. God is not fragile. Jesus is willing, and the Holy Spirit is able this morning. You see, the reality is, is I have a heart of a dad to my son. And I would, I'm I'm willing to give him a million dollars. But I'm not able, because I don't have a million dollars to give my son. And we live in a world where there are people who are able, but they're not willing. But there's also people who are willing, and they're unable. And what I'd love you to realize today is that not only is the God we serve willing, but he's also able. He's able. God is able. Someone here, hear those words right now. I feel the Holy Spirit's on that. He is able. You've built your life around the issue used to be that you had a dream for that issue being picked up and cast into the sea. You used to have a vision for that sickness to leave your body. You used to have a vision for that business to do what no business had ever done in your your market, your sector. You used to have a vision for your family to to be reunited. You used to have a vision for, for something to happen. You used to be able to see it clearer than the world that is around you. But somewhere along the lines, you allowed that limitation to become your reality. And while you used to have dreams for what was on the other side of it, you now have built your life and your theology around it. And you've made friends with an enemy. 
today, you need to be reminded the Holy Spirit is able. Paul put it like this in Romans 8, 11. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Holy Spirit who dwells in you. The Bible says that it's not a lesser spirit. It's not a similar spirit. It is the same spirit. He is the same spirit that raised Jesus from the grave. He's at work in your life today. And some people here, if you're going to be unstuck, you need to realize the Holy Spirit's at work. The same spirit that was at work in the creation of the earth, he's at work in your situation here today. Amen? Come on, if you receive the word, give the Lord a hand this morning. I want to I wanna pray for people in here and in our overflow area as well who don't know Jesus like I've been talking about today. Maybe at one time you knew him, but you walked away from him. Maybe you've never heard anyone talk about God like I did today. You've never heard about a God who's not fragile. You've never heard about Jesus being willing, independent of your performance. You've never heard about a Holy Spirit who's able to break in and change that which is holding you back. I want to pray for you today that you could know Jesus personally. Every Christian in this place, I want to encourage you, don't tune out in this moment. Be in prayer. Don't let the distractions around you to get you off track of what's happening in this moment. God is at work in people's hearts here, right here, right now. And so I want to ask that every head would be bowed, both in this room and in the, in the overflow area. Everyone, let's close their eyes right now. And I want to pray for people in here. And as I've been talking today, you've sensed dreams that died have, have begun kicking inside of you again. Dreams that have died, you, you, you sense the warmth of the hope they bring for the first time in a long time. And you're wondering, what is that? Can I tell you something? That is God knocking at the door of your heart saying, I'm not done with these dreams if you would trust me with them. It's God knocking at the door of your heart saying, if you would let me in, I can make dead things live. If you will let me in, I will make a way where there is no way. I said it earlier, half joking. I say it now prophetically. It's demolition day, people. The Spirit of God is in this place. He's ready to rework. He's ready to restore. He's ready to rebuild. He's ready to resurrect. And here's the amazing thing. How it happens. It's not through an act of strength. It's not through an act of knowing being smart enough or good enough or worthy, it, it's through an act of surrender and coming to Jesus just the way that you are. So I'm going to count to three right now. When I say three, either you've never known Jesus like I'm talking about today or you did it one time and you realize you are away from God. When I say three, I want you to lift your hand high enough and long enough for me to see it. And by lifting your hand, you're saying, Joe, I want to know Jesus. I want to be forgiven of my sins. I want to be right with God. I want to invite him into my brokenness so that he can do what I have been unable to do on my own. I want to pray for you here today. And you'll leave this place a changed person forever. Those of you who once walked with God, you're away from God. Stop faking it. Because if you fake it, you will not make it. But if you come to Jesus just the way you are today, you may have fooled everyone in this room. You haven't fooled yourself and you haven't fooled God. Come back to Jesus today. Here we go right now. One, 
two, three. Lift your hand. You're saying, I want to know Jesus. There's a hand right there, another hand there, another hand there, another hand there, another hand there. Others in here this morning saying, man, that's me. Come on right now. Maybe your heart's beating quick and you're thinking, man, there is an atmosphere in here. That's not atmosphere. That's Jesus knocking at the door of your heart. I see another hand right there. I, I, I believe right now in overflow, there's people saying, man, that's me. Come on, even in overflow, don't tune out in this moment. Right where you sit, Jesus can work in your life right now. There's other people in here right now. And I believe that, that you're sitting here and you're, you're, you just find yourself realizing, man, I've been distant from God. Come back to Jesus today. He is here. He is waiting. He is not angry. He is not done with you. But he's looking for that act of surrender. I believe that there's one other person here this morning. And you're saying, man, that's me. I need to know Jesus. Yep, I see that hand right there. Come on, church. Can we give a hand for every single person saying yes to Jesus this morning? Come on, I want to pray a prayer with everyone right now. Everyone say, dear Jesus, I need you. Come into my life and rescue me. I surrender who I am. All of who I am, I give it to you. Thank you for your love. And I receive your grace. And I receive your forgiveness. And I now say that I am a new creation, a friend of God. And my life will never be the same. In Jesus' name. Come on, everybody said amen. amen and amen.